0: I don't care what you say. Leatherface should not be wearing a red shirt. You don't expect Freddy Krueger to be wearing like an ugly Christmas sweater.
1: He does. His shirt or sweater, whatever it is, is Christmas and it's ugly already. So just let it
0: one. It's a certain one. It's like the red and the green stripes. Nobody
2: cares about the Leatherface shirt.
0: Ah. What's that? Doug, see who's at the door. Can you look out the window? Just see who it is.
1: You know, it's Rob. Can we just run? What? Turn the lights he's, out. Look, he's waving at me like a little kid at a like an ice cream truck.
0: Open up. Uh, um, let him in. God darn
1: it! I'm not, Dave. You do it.
3: Hey guys, hey. you guys, what's going hey. on? I was hey. in the na- I was in the neighborhood. Uh, I I thought you moved. That hurricane brought you up here already? It did. It <laughs> swept me right up the coast. But it's Got cool, though. It's cool because I, I have my podcasting uh, stuff. So I think we should, We should, you know, like old times.
0: <laughs> oh, like fun times. Oh. Uh, all right. Cue the music.
3: Alright guys, welcome to our first back episode of Monster Mania Radio. It's been like three years. I'm Rob Dimension. I'm joined by this time with... Dave Hagen. Doug Hagen.
2: And the other Dave Hagen. Or the David other. Hagen. The lesser. It always There's has a greater to be the and the Hagen. lesser. Oh, we, call it, we can call it the older the young. The or older, the, gray, the young. The greater black. <laughs> yeah, you're going great too. The hair or the no hair. That
3: one's better. All right, so so Dave, why don't we... Uh, I, I missed this,
0: i tell you. Why don't, we, why don't we talk about why you decided to bring this back? He's lonely. I have no idea. Some stranger was knocking on the door, and we let him <laughs> in. And here we are with microphones and uh, recording a podcast that we haven't recorded since
3: 2013.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, time surely has gotten away.
3: In in fairness, we did have a lot of people constantly coming up whenever we had the conventions and saying, like, oh, you guys are going to bring that back. You're going to bring that back. And people, you would think, over three years would forget about it, but they didn't.
0: And they kept asking for it. I I didn't realize, you know, that that many people actually, like, listened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I did hear it a lot, you know, that they wanted us to bring it back. And, you know, I think life interfered in a lot of ways with uh, each of us, you know. Um, and boy, man, a lot has happened in the four years. I can't believe it's four years, Yeah, but, uh, a lot has happened in the four years since, um, we've done this. Um, the show has definitely grown. Um, and, uh, you know, sadly we've lost quite a number of people, um, you know, in the horror field that have, uh, you know, most of them, most of which have done monster mania at one point or another. Um, and it's, it. it's, Last year, particularly, it was seemed like every other week that we were losing somebody. It was just pretty, pretty rough, you know. In, in doing this for all these years, like you know, you start to really build relationships with people, um, you know. And and when you lose, you know, like if you look go through the list of names of people that we've lost, you know, we lost, you know, Carrie Fisher, um, Wes Craven, Angus uh, Grim, Angus Grim,
3: George Romero, uh,
0: yeah. You know, and the, the, you know Adam West,
3: you Toby know, like, Hooper. There's tons yep. of tons of names. Larry Drake. There's tons of guys that we've lost that you know made a, a serious impact uh, in cinema and were part of of Monster Mania one time or another.
0: And uh, I'll tell you the one thing that that really hit home to me is when they did pass. Like I would see, uh, you know, on Facebook. I guess the profile picture. I guess that that's what it's called. Uh, you know when Carrie Fisher passed, um, you know, I saw a lot of profile pictures that were the person with Carrie Fisher. And then again, you know, with George Romero, um, you know, and, and it really makes you realize what the convention, what opportunities it provides, you know, both for me as the promoter to, to work with those people and, you know, for the fans to actually, you know, get to meet, you know, George Mirro and Carrie Fisher and all those people. It's, you know, when they die, um, you know, it feels, you feel a little bit more connected because you've met, you know, and, and going over God, uh, the list of, what are we at now? 30, 38, 39, 38. And the Connecticut show wasn't even counted in that group. So, you know, in, in 39 shows, we've had a lot of people come through. Um, but it seems that, and I would say within the last two, three years, seems like the amount of people that I'm going to call the monster mania alumni, you know, uh, people that have come to the shows, we've lost a, an incredible amount of people. I think more so in the last two, three years than, you know, in, in most of the 10 years before that, um, you know, and it's just, it, it, even people, you know, maybe not, you know, the headliner type people, but, um, Yvonne Munlur from, you know, Hammer Horror. Uh, she was one of the, people that I always wanted to meet years ago. We had her at the show when, you know, I, you know, my love for the hammer horror movies, um, you know, we lost her and I didn't even realize that we lost her. Uh, till somebody sent me a Facebook message, like maybe a month after, you know, and we've even lost staff members pizza. John, you know, was one of what probably was on our staff from the very first show, um, uh, made it down to the, made it up to the Connecticut show, made it down to the Maryland shows. Um, you know, when I got the news, I think it was uh, New Year's Eve that he had, you know, I got the news on New Year's Eve that he had passed. You know, that that hit home. So, you know, a lot of things have, have happened since we've done our last podcast. Lost a lot of people.
3: Well, to not start off on, on a sad note, we can still celebrate, you know, all their lives and everything that they've done for us because we can go back and watch all the movies that they were in and, and everything like that. And there really was. I mean, if anything, we're just, you know, paying some respect to these people because of the fact that, you know, they did impact so many of us uh, so many different ways. So it's it's really, uh, I, I feel like, I always feel like, you know, I'm I'm an, out, I'm an outsider looking in sometimes on Monster Mania, you know, because I did, I was there from the beginning, but I started off just, you know, being, you know, a, a, a payee, you know, someone that would come in and pay and come and then I was a vendor and then, you know, I was given the opportunity to, to be more of a part of it. But I can just tell you that it, you are uh, – even from my standpoint, you're allowing people to, to, uh, to meet like possibly their, their idols or people that have influenced them or whatever. So I mean I think something like Monster Mania really is truly special and I'm sure those people feel the same way. OK. So, so piggybacking off of that, Dave, like you said, the next convention is number 38 and it's in Hunt Valley, Maryland.
0: Yeah, Rob, and it looks like this is going to be our biggest show by far down in Maryland. Um, We've expanded uh, the vendor area. The vendors are going to be on two floors, uh, upstairs and downstairs, um, which is the the most amount of vendors we've ever had in Hunt Valley. Uh, Advanced ticket sales for Hunt Valley are really uh, ahead of where they've ever been. Um, And the guest list is, to, to my mind, it's the best guest list we've ever done for Maryland. Um, we've got Rose McGowan coming. Uh, she's going to be there Friday and Saturday. Val Kilmer, uh, is going to be there Friday and Saturday. Uh, he just did our last show in Cherry Hill was fantastic to deal with. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him again. First time appearing at Maryland is going to be Tobin Bell. We've got kind of a bit of a saw reunion. Uh, it's going to be Tobin Bell, uh, Dina Meyer and Betsy Russell. Uh, one of the other stars that we're having is Dean Cain, so it's kind of like we have Batman, Superman, and Batgirl, with Dean Cain being Superman, um, Val Kilmer being Batman, and Dina Meyer was uh, Batgirl on um, Birds of Prey, the yeah. Birds of Prey television. show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we have like that kind of grouping. Uh, also uh, headlining the show is Malcolm McDowell, uh, Michael Bean. Uh, who also worked with Al Kilmer in Tombstone, so there's kind of like a connection there. Also, we have Noah Schnapp, who was really popular in our Cherry Hill, New Jersey show that we just finished. Uh, And the guest list is really, really stacked, honestly. It's Adrian Barbeau, Curtis Armstrong, uh, Alexandria Breckenridge, who was a last edition, Uh, Eugene Clark, who we just added. Uh, We have the Hellraiser group with Doug Bradley, Ashley Lawrence, Simon bamford uh barb wild and nicholas vince so we've got like a Cenobites reunion with ashley lawrence Mm -hmm. uh cj graham's going to be doing a special uh jason six uh in costume photo op um we also have barbara Steele, uh rico browning and rico uh we're actually today's getting uh, effects of hurricane irma in florida Enrico is coming up from Florida. So I talked to him uh, yesterday, and he, they were basically like batting down the hatches for uh, Hurricane Irma. So we can see uh, you know, how he fared with that. Uh, we have Alex Vincent who was from Child's Play, and he's bringing an animatonic Chuck doll. Jen and Sylvia Saska are going to be there. Uh, they were once again uh, at our Cherry Hill show. Uh, was, they were really, really hit it off great with the to really, they get what it's about. You know, it's, it's a pleasure to have somebody like that at the convention. Um, so that's it for the list of stars. It's coming to Hunt Valley. Like I said, it's I think it's our best list of stars, and it's going to be the most vendors we've ever had. So we're really trying to, uh, you know, put uh, the Hunt Valley show on steroids type of thing, uh, and really you know bring it more in line with what we're doing up in Cherry Hill. We just need the support of the fans in the area for us to be able to keep putting on a show of that size.
3: I've always said that I, 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 really, I actually really enjoy um, Hunt Valley quite a bit. It's much more intimate. Uh, people are really excited about getting autographs. They have a really good opportunity to get the autographs Friday and then spend Saturday to do the Q&As or shop or whatever they want to do. I, I'm really excited for this one. What, is, uh, what does Dave and, and Doug think about uh, Maryland?
2: Well, I, I was going to say Maryland itself has a completely different personality than Cherry Hill. I feel it's more, um, you know, laid back and kind of like do it at your own pace. And the um, you know hotel is very accommodating for that, I, as well as you know just reaching out to the local fan base. Um, you know, whether hitting the comic book stores or Baltimore Comic Con promoting. Um, at this point, you know, we've been doing that over several years, and I feel that you know people know our show now. And when you meet these people and shake hands, you can. You can talk to them because they've been there, and they're like, "Oh, I know, I loved your last convention. I'll, you know, see you there again this year." And uh, I'm happy to hand out postcards. So uh, I, th- I think it's much needed, and it's uh, you know, like anything else, you got to put the effort into it.
1: From my standpoint, with vendors, it's a lot of new vendors. It's a lot coming from the Virginia area, Georgia, West Virginia, um, you know, the Southern states. So it's a whole different feel. It's not the same vendors that you're going to see in Jersey. You know, a lot of our Jersey vendors are renewals. We get like a 90 to 85% renewal rate on vendors, but down there it's a totally different ball game. So it's a lot more different merchandise that you're not going to see up in Cherry Hill. Um, And it's just, you know, a whole group of new faces. I've met some really great vendors um, that I would never have the opportunity to meet that live down in Virginia. And a couple of them have said, you know, if you're down in Virginia for your son's baseball or whatever, like stop on over. Um, So it. Like they said, it has the family feel, just like Cherry Hill. It's a little more intimate than Cherry Hill, but, you know, it's all the same game. It's it's us doing what we do.
3: And just to remind everybody, it's actually September 29th through October 1st. It's at the Delta Hotel Marriott. It's formerly the Hunt Valley Inn. It's uh, Monster Mania 38. It's going to be a great time. Okay, guys, let's jump right to the horror news.
0: Well, Rob, this weekend, the movie It smashed box office records with a $117 million opening. And that's with screens being closed down uh, in the Houston area still and the Florida area um, with the two hurricanes that have happened. Uh, Warner Brothers' new line It performed beyond box office analysis wildest dreams, opening with 117.1 million uh, from 4,103 screens. That gives it the third highest opening weekend of the year, behind only Beauty and the Beast and Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And it puts it just above 117 million that was made with Spider Man's Homecoming. So a huge opening for uh, it, you know, a horror film when in the past some you know horror films have been uh, disparaged as not you know making any money anymore it's coming close to a record for the most money ever made by an R rated film deadpool has that record with 132.4 million uh but again honestly if there weren't closures of movie theaters in Houston and and Florida it would have broken those records and that completely contrasts with the news that the summer movie season, which starts with Memorial Day and ends with Labor Day, this year had the lowest turnout of ticket buyers in 25 years. Um, and some of the excuses, some of the reasons for the lower ticket sales have been under underperforming sequels, such as the sequels to the Transformers, Pirates of the Caribbean and Aliens film series. Uh, and also extremely poor performance from films that they thought were going to be blockbusters, such as uh, The Mummy, The Dark Tower, uh, Baywatch, and the King Arthur film. Some people are blaming streaming uh, sites such as Netflix and Hulu is taking the attention away and driving, keeping people away from going to the movies. Some people are blaming movie ticket prices. And still, others are blaming review sites such as Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Um, I just think my personal opinion is I think that the reason why it's the lowest amount of ticket sales in 25 years because the movies that were offered during the summer weren't any good. I mean, nobody nobody wanted to go see The Mummy. Nobody was, you know, wanted to see the sequels. I think. It proves that if you come out with a good product, it will find its audience. Blaming all these other reasons is just Hollywood not owning up to the fact that they didn't have any good movies this summer.
2: Yeah, the only really movie that stands out was uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, I think, was by far the best movie that I had seen all summer. And probably some of the best performances. and, And they're all CGI characters for the most part.
0: Even that movie was the poorest performance of the Planet of the Apes sequels. So th- that did less money this this year than, than the previous sequel. Wait, so Doug, you said
1: that wasn't a good movie? I was bored out of my mind. It was two and a half hours of nothing. Oh.
3: <laughs> you Did you really like it? I didn't see yeah. it.
1: I didn't see it, well, but you guys might have. Well, wait, dude, I,
3: I had the no monkeys
1: difference. didn't do a goddamn thing the whole movie. Like, two monkeys talk. The whole premise is monkeys talk. And there was two monkeys. That's it. And the one, the orange one, its face looked like an ass. It was horrible. Its nose was a butthole. It was a horrible movie.
2: <laughs> it's an orangutan.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an orangutan ass face. It was a horrible movie. Two and a half hours of horror. Oh. That's what it was. No, yeah,
2: I, I, I I think uh, Andy Serkis gave the best performance of the year as a you know I mean or at least of the summer you know as a CGI character. So that's telling you you know I think think how bad the performances are in general that a CGI character is better than you know a live actor. All right, so let's go back to it then. Um, I, I think what made it successful is you know probably the lackluster summer. People were looking forward to something. It's starting to go into the fall season. So, you know, Halloween's kicking in. And if you see what they did promotional wise, I mean, we knew about it for months because they kept plugging it and, um, you know, trailer after trailer and, and just like a slow buildup. Um, you know, but even what what they did at our last convention, Monster Mania Con 37, where they had the, you know, the uh, decked out virtual reality bus for the, you know, the float experience. Nobody else is doing that, you know, and when we were able to land that, that was that was huge. I mean like I wanted to go on that.
0: I Don't went to the zoo. That.
1: I went to the zoo and saw a bunch of monkeys that didn't talk. So that <laughs> got me ready for your stupid war of the dumb not talking apes.
3: I actually didn't make it to the movies much this summer because we moved. I I think that the excuses that that they have said all have validity. Streaming is, you know, a a big thing. Like um I really hardly ever watch real cable. I watch mostly streaming between Amazon Netflix, Hulu, Crackle, you know, there's a bunch of sites that you can use to watch for streaming
0: stuff. Plus you run that wire from your neighbor's house into your house and you can only watch whatever they're watching on television. It's right? not
3: fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, do, I do think that ticket prices are more expensive. I, I agree with that. I feel, Dave, you probably can relate um, maybe more than Doug and Dave, but they probably can relate too, that the theater experience is, is lost, Absolutely um people are on their phones. people are talking. It's just not nearly uh, I had actually heard people brought an infant to go see it, or little kids, and I just don't think there's any sense of responsibility as an adult that make the theater experience anything anymore. like I used to go and you, you know you go and you're lost for like two hours or two and a half hours now for some of these movies. But now you go and you're, you know, you're distracted to the right and distracted to the left because this person's on their phone or that person. You well, that's be able big, put, Dave. You should be able I, to put your phone down. I was going to down, just say that. Is he really on his phone in the movies?
0: Yes. That's not good, Dave. If, if it's Party, foul. Sh- Party if, it's, foul. if it's prior to a show, I have to be. Then it's always
1: prior to a show because he's always on his phone at the movies.
0: Well, that's not really true. <laughs> All right, so hey, so you're part of the problem, constantly. Dave. Hey, somebody's got to record them.
3: <laughs> um, but I also do do feel that that there really was nothing that stood out where I was like, oh man, I have to go see this. To be really honest, I was even saying the other day, I'm I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan, and with the constant surge of movies coming out and and merchandise. I really, I'm almost to the point where I'm just like, you know, if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't. Which, you know, if you tell the 12-year-old me that, it would be, you know, like, what are you talking about? You're living in a time period where there's a new Star Wars film every year, but it's just not that exciting anymore. So I, I don't know. I, I'm excited that it is the movie that has people excited, and I do feel they did a great job marketing. Um, I don't really see a lot of other movies marketed that well, and I do agree with what Dave said about the the virtual reality you know, bus being at some horror conventions, that helps, or at San Diego Comic Con. You know, San Diego Comic Con's enormous. So by giving that that, you know, type of, of uh hype, you know, or experience, it's gonna make people want to go see it. And and you know, I, I think that Stephen King is always even though I don't know how much this relates to the movie, I didn't see it this weekend. My daughter did said it was great, said she loved it. They actually went again tonight. So, you know, I, I do feel that there is a a massive influx of horror fans and I think it did 176 worldwide this weekend so it's it it does huge numbers but I think Stephen King has a way to relate to everybody where people get excited to go see his movies and some are good, some aren't
1: I have to be honest you know how much I love horror movies oh
3: you're the biggest fan
1: Uh, I know I hate them Uh, but (laughs) I actually wanted to see it this weekend but didn't have the opportunity because of the marketing. I did go on the virtual reality bus at monster mania 37 with, um, three friends of mine. Uh, so I think the marketing, like Dave said, you know, it it draws you in and I think it was a big success.
2: But in contrast, so, you know, Rob brought up Stephen King. Um, so recently Stephen King has had, you know, although he's not done it, the dark tower came out over the summer and it, and I, I think, you know, having seen both of them, they, they couldn't be more different than each other. Um, you know, I think Dark Tower was okay. You know, it was passable, but uh, that's about it. Where, you know, you know, the movie It was just, like, phenomenal. I mean, uh, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score was, like, you know, 90%. And it's probably every bit of that. Um, so, it's just... Me, how's how's the movie done?
0: Let me ask you this. with With... Like you know, the Rotten Tomato score. I don't even look at stuff like that. Does that influence you to go see a movie or not? Depending on what it is, yeah, I think
2: it helps. I mean, there's movies I'm already going to see. Like you know, I was already going to see War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I was already going to see it. I was already going to see Dark, Dark Tower. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of some of the other movies that I saw over the summer, like Dunkirk and uh, things like that. But uh, Annabelle creation, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which was another um, surprisingly great movie. Uh, considering it was a sequel and, you know, I thought, I think all three of us saw the first Annabelle together and it sucked. Um, but I, I think at least with things like Rotten Tomatoes, it's not, you know, Cisco and Ebert or whoever the heck it is now reviewing it. It's the fans providing their input and depending on which kind of movie it is or what the fan base is. Um, and especially if you have like a limited budget, then, then that helps people make decisions.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think I I don't particularly care what a critic says, but for some reason, I find it impressive when I look on Rotten Tomatoes or the people, you know, on Facebook, they'll post the headline, you know, a perfect score on, on Rotten Tomatoes. For some reason, that does give me some sort of assurance that maybe I really need to see this movie. But it hasn't always, you know, some movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes that have gotten great scores, I don't necessarily like. Um, And vice versa. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But for some reason, it that name, when you do hear that, I guess it would be similar to like a Cisco Nebra where you could say, like, I don't care what critics say. I'm going to see it anyway. But he did say this or they say this. So it does have some sort of, you know, validity to it where, you know, I I think I go out of my way to look for something that does have a really high score on, on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: I, I think it's more checking the pulse of the fan base and not, like, you know, the the critical claim, oh, you know, the uh, you know, performances were great and the director of photography captured this moment. Um, I mean, it's basically, you know, was it a good movie? Did you enjoy it? And that's really all it is. That's really all you need. I mean, you don't need to go into any more depth than, yes, I like that movie.
3: So, So, Dave, you're the only one that saw it this weekend?
2: Yeah. And, I uh, mean, apparently –
3: how was your, what was, so you really think it was that good?
2: Yeah. And, and trust me, I am, you know, probably not as critical as, uh, you know, you and my dad, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I, I am very critical, especially when, you know, I, I've kind of like built things up in my head and with all the promotion around this, like, I just didn't want to go and be disappointed. Um, so I would say right from, right from the get go, you know, within like the first five minutes, you know, you're like, oh shit, this is. All right, here we go. Because, I mean, it is an R-rated movie. Um, and I believe the original It was, you know, essentially done on, uh, you know, made network TV, television. Yeah. Right, yeah, was, right. So, I, I mean.
0: I, I got to be honest. Unpopular opinion. The It that was made for television. I really like the Tim Curry character. But other than that, not a big fan.
2: I, I really like liked the first half. Uh, because I think it was aired over two different nights. Yeah. Um, originally and uh, we probably all watched it together uh i guess it originally were, aired on a sunday night and then they skipped monday because of monday night football i think and then back again on the tuesday night and i i think the two halves couldn't have been more different uh, i mean the second half i felt was kind of just lackluster and maybe because we were you know we were kids at the time that the first half of the you know the original 1990 it um you know it was scary and uh uh, I forget who I was telling. Um, but I, I think like I literally had to like, I, I was an altar boy at the time back in Catholic school. And mm-hmm. I had serve like, I had to serve the. <laughs> Get in touch. <laughs> hey, never mind. I'm, I'm not even going to. Uh, so uh, do you, let me
3: ask you guys a question. Do you think that with stranger things being such a hit? that uh, from what I understand there's a lot of a lot of similarities between it and Stranger Things as far as time and, and everything else, like time frame. Do you think that helped create this this impact or do you think it was all regardless of, of whether or not Stranger Things was out?
2: It seems like a lot of things are you know, I hate to say like everything's like coming up 80s, but I mean it's almost like, you know, 80s retro is is the end thing. And there are a lot of similarities. I mean, even between the original it and stranger things um, you know because of the you know the it uh you know the 2017 remake is you know I think taking place in 1989 or 1988 so I mean it's right up almost right about the time that the original it aired which again is back in the 80s where stranger things took place um, so it's kids on bikes and even Finn wolfhart who's one of the characters he's a stranger things character he's an it character I mean you know his you know, he's an actor in both of those. So uh, you know, there are there are a lot of parallels. Uh, but with that being said, I mean you could say the same thing about like, you know, other eighties movies where it's, you know, kid related like Goonies or uh a never ending story and things like that. So I think the draw is just you know, we can all relate to to being kids. Um
0: I'll tell you what the draw is. The draw is an evil clown. It's what made you know the Tim Curry's Portrayal of Pennywise was iconic for a, a television. I'm going to call it a series, even though I guess it technically wasn't a series, for a, a television project. Um, that really, I didn't think if you took Tim Curry out of that, uh, there was there wasn't really much to uh, make sure, that. Yeah, I'm sure it was forgettable. You know, uh, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and I, I think people wanted to see. I think people want to be scared, and I will always say that a good horror movie will will sell tickets like no other movie um and the i can remember how much complaining came out when the original photos of the clown of pennywise in the new movie came out everybody was you know comparing it to the tim curry one and really trashing it same way they did when, I mean, uh, with,
2: with the Joker. I mean, with, with the, if you look at Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker, I mean everybody crapped all over that, and I was probably one of those. And Jared, um, oh, that oh, was I, awful. I, that was terrible. Um, but I I would say I would say you know the analogy would be like oh how's um you know how's Heath Ledger going to top Jack Nicholson's performance as the Joker? Sure. And and I think this closely parallels that. I mean I I still like you know I think I would give Tim Curry like a ten out of ten. Um, yeah, but I would give uh, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, like, Just a 9.9 9 out, 9. 9 out of 10. And a snap and a twist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, I did it. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have some more horror news. So don't go anywhere.
0: Why are you guys anywhere?
3: We're sort of a club Yeah, the losers club You want in?
0: Yeah, I do
1: Hey, we're seven now
3: Lucky seven I want to kill it I just want to forget about it. It's not just us. It's all the other kids, too. Who's going to be next? It kills kids, damn it.
2: You killed my brother George, you bastard.
0: Let's see you now.
3: Maybe it's the water.
0: The water? Maybe it's the sewer.
2: Hi, Georgie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're not real you're not real
3: was it pennywise big white guy red nose about 75 feet tall mouth full of razor
2: sharp teeth you smell that that's death
3: Losers fight it. Losers die. They all flow.
2: There you go. She's already captain.
0: Disappear six times the national average And that's just grown-ups Kids are worse Way, way worse We all float down here I saw something There was this Clown Yeah, I saw him too It's all connected by the sewers, that's where it lives.
3: Two. Two. Two.
0: Two. Two. Welcome back everybody to Monster Mania Radio as we continue with horror news. Uh, the next story we have is about our good friends AMC and The Walking Dead. According to The Hollywood Reporter, a group of producers from The Walking Dead television series have filed a lawsuit against AMC. The producers include series producer Gail Ann Hurd, the former showrunner Glenn Mazzara, producer David Alpert, and the creator of the comic book Robert Kirkman. They have all filed a breach of contract against AMC, essentially saying that they are hiding profits from them. This is the second major lawsuit that they're being hit with. Frank Darabount, who was the showrunner from the original series, uh, is also suing in a separate lawsuit, and he's suing for $280 million. Wow. So, Walking Dead is going into its eighth season, and both Hurd and Kirkman, who are suing AMC, are still working on the series as executive producers. But what what kind of environment can that be, if the people... That, if you're suing the people that you're working with. If you look at what was done with Darabont,
2: um, you know, I mean, he was, you know, the co-creator and the executive producer and he got fired. And, um,
0: after he, after he made his appearance promoting it at San Diego comic con.
2: Well, I mean, he basically like, you know, I look at this as a guy who's, you know, very credible who, you know, essentially got the show, you know, off the ground. And, uh, so it just seems like, you know, there's like no loyalty there. I'll put it that way. Um, but if you do get a chance to read in our rants, they're, they're pretty good. Um, I'm reading one of his quotes right now is, uh, you need to pay attention to the mother effing script. He wrote, I even choose my goddamn comments for a reason. Why am I working so effing hard if you're shooting everything some other way that doesn't work? So, I mean, it's basically, um, and you heard a lot around season two with, uh, know some of the trouble there but it just seems like you know you look at the common thread between amc and anybody that's had a strong hand in making this a successful show
0: well i guess the question is you know how much money is enough money i mean uh the walking dead is clearly you know the number one show on television and 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 it seems that you know to, to one degree or another amc is really goes out of its way to uh to to have to to make sure no one's making any money on anything unless they get what many would consider to be more than their fair share so do we what do we think is happening do we think that
3: these people like darebound or whoever are writing a script and then whoever is directing the episode is just doing whatever they want
0: i, I don't think that's the, i think it's more about profits i mean i, I it all comes down to dollars and cents, um, you know. I, I think, uh, you know, it. it I think Dara Bounce's um, argument is that they pushed him out and found somebody to do it cheaper. Um, and I can, and and clearly, the the other group of producers that's filed the latest lawsuit against AMC, you know, they're accusing AMC of of. Uh, hiding money from them, you know, or, or, or doing things to prevent them from getting the money that they feel they deserve. I mean, I, you know, going back a few years, you can remember the issues we had with, uh, with the Walking Dead when they were going to do our convention. You know, I, I, all of a sudden I get this uh, email from AMC and, uh, you know, one thing led to another and, it, you know, the behind the scenes on that got really, like, over the top I felt um eventually had to get a lawyer involved on on my side just to you know to go through to defend our stuff.
2: interests. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and
2: and, and I, I think one of the things we brought up in our defense, um, you know, h- how we've helped, you know, promote The Walking Dead was, you know, I mean we had guessed like um Norman Reedus even before The Walking Dead premiered. And I I think I sent you a picture of, you know, when they had sent us, you know, the AMC Walking Dead season two promotional stuff it's like hey here's you guys sent this to us you know you yeah, guys sent this to us the I, show
0: I sent them an email uh, showing that AMC had asked me to promote it at the show and the response I got was uh, well that was a different department within AMC and like it just got honestly the behind the scenes on that got extremely ugly um, fortunately we were able to salvage it um, but uh, you know I certainly Seeing these two new lawsuits against AMC, quite honestly, is no surprise to me. You know, I think eventually things like this are going to be the eventual downfall of, of the series. It, 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 there's only going to be so much animosity involved in being on set that a series like this can withstand, I think. You know? But
2: if you take if you take a step back and look at it from a, you know, I hate saying you know networks doing what they do best, but um, once like you know streaming services and on demand became available, or things like Hulu, um, you know the actors were like, "Hey, uh, you know, how am I getting paid for this?" And I think you know the response from the networks were like, "Oh, you know, we still have to figure that out." Um, yeah, you know, I mean regarding like royalties and uh, you know things of that nature, but it seems like you know they had no trouble figuring out how the networks were going to get paid or how they were going to pay themselves. So. It's, uh, again, you know, probably networks doing what they do best, you know, they'll make the money and, uh, you know, worst case, somebody has to fight for it, fight them for it.
0: I mean, to me, I just think it's, it's showing it's foretelling of the future, uh, of, of what, what is eventually, uh, going to play out over there. Um, you know, I'm sure it's going to continue to be successful because the one good thing, that the producers have or the, you know, the the people that are behind the scenes have is if they have a problem with anybody, they can make, they can write them out of the show, you know, and not only write them out of the show, but make it uh, a memorial episode, you know, a memorable episode. Uh, You could kill off some major characters. It would be a big storyline and it would just get more people to watch the show. But I wonder like at what point do, do you run out of, uh, characters that people care about. I think, I, I don't know how well the um, viewership of Fear the Walking Dead has gone. I know I've, I tried watching it and I just didn't find myself caring about any of the characters at all. So I I don't watch it at all. And
2: I, I I'm exactly watch- in the same boat. Same yeah, no, I'm exactly in the same boat. I, I gave it, you know, I tried the first season and I had zero interest in any of the characters and the and the one that i did like ended up you know she ended up killing herself at the end of the first season so it, it, it seems like you know they they tried they tried in all the wrong ways and um again it was just it's it was a spin-off and it's meant to capitalize on the walking dead yeah i don't think i it's missed the mark
0: in a bottle man you know i mean like- you're
3: if but if you're if you're literally taking kirk kirkman and and angering him so much i mean i don't know what his legal rights are but isn't there a way that he could kind of stop things don't you think at some point
2: yeah but if you look at you know i mean i'm sure you know uh, george R. R. martin mm-hmm. can do the same thing with like game of thrones mm-hmm. but you know depending on what rights you know he signed over to right. amc i mean essentially it's like hey it's great if you're on board and if not you know this train just gonna keep rolling
3: what a
0: mess yeah all right dave what else you got buddy uh, this one's just for you, Rob. Oh! Another Munsters reboot is in the works at NBC. Oh, boy. Deadline reports that comedian television host Seth Meyers and Odd Mom Out creator Jill Kargman have teamed up with Universal TV for yet another reboot of the Munsters. Like the original 1960s series, the half-hour single-camera show, will follow the members of the family who try to stick to their monstrous roots while still trying to fit in. The new series will move the setting of the series to, quote, hipster Brooklyn instead of suburban California as seen in the original show. Cargman will write the scripts and executive produce with Seth Maker Schumeyer's productions. Uh, a sequel to the sitcom titled The Monsters Today ran from 1988 in 1991 giving you some history and Hannibal director Brian Fuller developed a reboot of it in 2012 under the title Mockingbird Lane it was a pilot episode that aired in October of 2012 which we actually covered in a previous uh, Monster Mania Radio Horror News uh, premiered it aired as a Halloween special but NBC didn't announce in 2012 that it was not going to be uh, taking Mockingbird Lane to series but here we are again with NBC, Seth Meyers and Jill Cardman with a new Monsters. What do you think?
2: Are you excited?
0: Uh, now, you're my, the person. You're the Monsters fan. If this was the Adams family, I'd be freaking out. But I mean, Monsters fan. So you tell me—is this a good thing or a bad thing?
3: I have a tendency to watch everything Monsters, so I've I've watched the original series countless times. Uh, Hulu actually has Munsters Today, and I've watched that series. And then we did watch Mockingbird Lane uh, in 2012. And I remember with, it being – With
0: uh, John Kassir, right?
3: Yes. Uh, and uh, there was – who was the comedian that was in it? I can't remember. It's so forgettable I can't even remember. But uh, it was not good. Uh, I know a lot of people liked it. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that is, is anti-remake or anti-reboot or whatever. I just want it to be good. That's all I want, but you're taking the family and and moving them to Brooklyn. I don't even know how that that relates. H- that
2: sounds hipster like a hit. Brooklyn.
3: Sounds like a hit. No way. I, I, Brooklyn
1: I, all day, bitch. Get out of here. <laughs> you know how many creepy people live in Brooklyn?
0: I just I don't know. It's, but it's hipster Brooklyn that really scares me. I don't I don't even know what hipster Brooklyn is. Uh, and I to, probably down like, over out. in uh, Philadelphia. That's what I was gonna say. Well, at Fishtown?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like you know, cuffed up pants and oh, just people that want to get punched.
3: I can't. I just, uh, hey man, I, I'll watch it. You know, at least the first episode to see what it looks like. I mean, and I say that I'll watch just the first episode, but I know I'll keep yeah, watching you, it. Yep, I know. You, you know will. what? It could
1: actually be decent because their re- their lifestyle will be so odd compared to the lips hipsters which are so odd maybe it'll work out who knows
3: it's possible you know I just I don't know I, I maybe I, they'll I, make fun of the hipsters and I in someone like yesterday for instance I watched uh I'm a big Sid and Marty fan Sid and Marty Craw fan so yesterday I rewatched the uh pilot for Sigma and the Sea Monsters which is on Amazon which stars David Arquette and it got picked up First season, the season, the new season hits like October seventeenth or the thirteenth or something like that. So I had someone say like, "Well, why do they have to remake everything?" and I, and, and and I said like, "Well, because times change and new generations change and you know, uh, it, what was interesting uh, back in the sixties isn't isn't interesting today. You know, now they have cell phones and they have different way people you know react differently and act differently. So it's, I mean, it's possible that it could be good, but I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dave?
2: But I, I guess the point is that they're trying to get, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're focusing on, I, I wouldn't know if I call it so much the horror genre, but, I mean, they're trying to get that back on TV. You know, they they feel like, you know, hey, it could be interesting. Um And, you know, somebody obviously is passionate enough about it to make an effort. So, I mean, it's it's all good. And maybe with, you know, some of the more modern things, you know, like Hotel Transylvania, for example. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to try to appeal to, like, more families. But, yeah, maybe that's the route they're going.
1: What was the original to appeal to families? I don't
3: Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think so. It was definitely G-rated. You know, G for TV. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And it was silliness. It was kind of, I don't want to say, like, Three Stooges.
2: Well, I, I, it's like a Gilligan's Island of, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, I mean, right, right about, you know, at the same time, um, you know, maybe a little bit earlier, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, Hey, you know, somebody's, somebody's trying. I mean, it's not like they're putting another, it's easy to put another reality TV show out there. I mean, it it's cheap and, uh, that it'll get things, but it's like, Oh, like I, I want to, you know, not necessarily original programming, but Hey, you know, let's, let's go with this.
1: Rob, I'll come down and we'll watch it together. All right,
0: great. (laughs) It'll be amazing. I just wonder how many times can you go to that well? You know what I mean? Like, uh, nothing's going to be as good as the first one. And you know, maybe.
2: But there's a whole generation, or at least two generations, of people that have no idea what the monsters are.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. My kids have no clue.
2: Right, and and they're the same people that you know have. You know, no idea that you know George Romero was essentially you know everybody that loves The Walking Dead. Hey, George Romero is responsible for anything zombie-related in the last 50 years. Yep. Um, but do you, you know, think so- it,
3: do you think it makes people go back and look at that, or do you think that they just that they're not interested in it?
2: Uh, Some people probably go back and look at it, but I mean, I've no doubt, you know, Walking Dead has exposed more people to, you know, Night of the Living Dead or, you know, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and uh, Return of the Living Dead. I mean, you know, some things that, you know, I would think are like, you know, staples of the uh, zombie genre or even, you know, the uh, uh, what's it, Fulci zombie uh, Mm -hmm. movie. I, I mean, it's, you know, just giving it the exposure that, you know, it needs. And if people are interested, they might dig deeper into it.
0: But, you know, you know what I find that happens, I find that people that do know who and and I'm going to say at least as far as the convention goes, the people that do know who George Romero is and do are fans of, you know, Dawn of the Dead and and Land of the Dead and, and, you know, the Romero films, they almost resent the people that are fans of The Walking Dead that don't have any clue as to the history of, you know, Romero and all that. I mean, we get that when we when when we announce a, um, a Walking Dead guest for the convention, you know, a lot of, it, it, you, a lot of people that are fans of The Walking Dead I absolutely love it. And the Romero fans and, and people that have that appreciation of, you know, what I'm going to call the classic zombie, um, they absolutely present the fact that now Walking Dead fans are going to the show.
2: No, I, I mean, I I do agree with that, um, you know, to an extent, or I, I agree that's what's happening. I you know I don't necessarily agree with that outlook, but I I think the one thing you have to look at it is like, hey, you know, you know, not everybody grew up with, uh, you know, parents that made bad decisions, you know, showing their kids horror movies at really young ages. Big so like, Dave, hey. Big Dave. So, well, I, I mean, I mean, hey, you know, and Rita. And <laughs> but maybe somebody, hey, like, you know. I didn't know about this till I was in my thirties. And are you going to like crap all over somebody just because like they weren't into it? Or are you going to say like, okay, Hey, you know, if you're into walking dead, you know, you should check this stuff out. And I think, you know, that's the one thing, you know, the environment that, you know, our conventions, you know, try to cultivate is that, you know, you can make friends here. You can make connections and you can learn about different horror movies and, you know, take it from there. I, I mean, th- th- there's like remakes that I've seen, and I've never seen the original of them, you know. I'll, I'll put it that way, but it makes me go back and like, oh, let me, uh, you know, let me check out the crazies or you know things like that.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually kind of try to do that sometimes with our film list. Like, I'll sneak in, you know, a movie or two that that I'm a fan of that I think are you know are the majority of the Monster Mania crowd might not have seen. Um, I enjoy doing that as much as I can, but. You know, it has to have a tie-in to one of the to one of the guests at the show, but you know, more often than not, I'll sneak at least one movie in there that you know I'm basically trying to bring to the audience that might not have seen, you know, might not have even seen it or even known about it before.
2: Yeah, and, and I would say I'm I'm exactly in the, in the uh, you know, same boat. I think like the first time we had see Hag, Hag make one of his appearances at, you know, it might have even been at like Monster Media Con, like two or three. Um, you know, you had shown Spider Baby. And I, I think I probably watched it after the fact or, you know, shortly before that. But again, like a movie that I barely knew about, and you know, I at least heard of the title. And uh I was like, oh, I'll check that out now. And I checked it out and, you know, <laughs> hey, between uh, you know, Sid Haig and you know Lon Chaney Jr. It, like I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have watched otherwise.
3: All right, I'll put you guys on the spot. Best horror remake you've seen.
2: Oh, um, I actually like, I don't know if it's the best, but you know, the one that jumps out is the Dawn of the dead remake. Um, and I know they're fast zombies and they, and they suck. But so if you look at horror movies, um, I, the cool thing was as a horror fan, like, like everything like right before that, I, I forget what the Jesus movie was. Like we're going back to what, 2003. Um, but like, you know, that was like winning like week in and week out of the box offices.
3: Oh, I was the last temptation of Christ. Yeah.
2: No, no. What was that? Um I, I I forget exactly what it was. Um but like that was winning like, you know, probably like three to four weeks on end. And you know, in comes Dawn of the Dead and just, you know, blows the box office out of the water. And uh you know being a fan of the original, which I still am and I still think is the better movie, I I enjoy the Dawn of the Dead remake.
3: Doug, you got one? Um
1: yeah, about that. Uh, I, I wouldn't know if it was original or a remake or just just general piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'll say uh, red-shirted Leatherface just to oh, piss my dad geez. off <laughs> because I am up. currently wearing a red giant shirt in support of my team. <laughs> so uh, go, red Leatherface guy!
3: Oh
0: god!
1: Right on, brother.
0: Big Dave, what do you got? Well, y- something stupid. If, if, if we're going to talk remake... Oh, Jesus. I'm going to go back to a remake. I'm going to go back to the Hammer remake of the 1931 Dracula with Christopher Lee called Hire of Dracula. Uh,
2: um, that, that different title.
0: It's still a remake. That's that's fine. I get and, it. And actually... Uh, 1931 in, is almost 100 old, years ago. It was only released as Hire of Dracula in the United States. In UK, where it was filmed, it was released as Dracula. So... <laughs>
3: Uh, I would say um, the Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead is my favorite uh, remake.
0: I, that's a, I agree with both you guys, with Night of the Living Dead and the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, I me thought too. both of those were really, really well done. I didn't care whether the zombies ran or not. I thought that was a really well done movie uh, with a remake of the Dawn of the Dead. It and, creates anxiety, right? Like, that's what yep. it's supposed to do. And, it, you know, the thing was they didn't remake it. You know, word for word, idea for idea. You know, they brought something new to it, which, you know, everybody criticizes remakes because they don't bring anything new to it. And then when they do bring something new to it, they criticize that. Yeah. So, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, well I, I mean, if you look at the Evil Dead oh, remake. Oh, like a red shirt? <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> something different. Dude, no, you, but you that's you just like a blasphemy. <laughs> but if you like, you know, while we're talking like remakes like that, I mean, if you, if you take a look at the uh, Evil Dead remake, which i I thought was you know great and you know creepy in and of itself, um you know I think for them to try to redo that, you know, just like you know hey, if they went with a male lead as like you know the um you know ash type character, it would have been a bomb, so they have to do something different um and again, same thing with you know the uh sabini Night of Living Dead remake, which I guess was you know probably around like nineteen ninety or so um he made Patricia tallman's character he made Barbara much more of a stronger character. And, and I think that that sets it apart. That does something different. You know, you're not going to do the, um, you know, who did Psycho? Hildebrandt? Who remade Psycho? Was that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think he probably shot somewhere.
2: The, right, uh, right. But he, he, like, he literally redid it with Vince Vaughn and wanted to do it shot for shot right, based right. on it cost, what's, Hitchcock. What's
1: the point? All right. Well, what's your take on the Bates Motel show? I know it's not a remake, but it's
3: all kind of the same thing. I enjoy the show better than the movie. Oh, the, uh, the new one that was just out, right? That's Right. Former? I mean, I would admit that I watched uh, maybe five episodes and stopped. <laughs>
2: you are such a loser. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm a loser like Rob. Rob. Rob, <laughs> oh you want to be in the Losers Club. Yeah, <laughs> oh.
0: I, I, I watched the whole series. I really liked it. I'm a really big Psycho fan. Uh, really big fan of the guy that wrote the original book, Robert Bloch. I mean, to me, nothing will ever be as good as the first film. The Hitchcock film is just, you know, incredibly good. But um, I watched Bates Motel when it first came out. I was scared of what it was going to be because I just figured, boy, they're going to really screw this up. And I was very pleasantly surprised. So I have honestly I have nothing but good things to say about Bates Motel. I thought it was really good. I I, I would have loved to have gone up on the set. Um, and actually seeing it myself. Like Huge Psycho fan. I, I thought it did uh, a great, you know, I, I thought it continued the legacy uh, and yet it was its own, you know, its own thing. So, I really liked it. And our last bit of horror news, our good old buddy Leatherface is back! Uh, oh. Lionsgate and Millennium Films will be releasing Leatherface... On direct TV on September 21st, with a limited theatrical run and video on demand release following on October 20th. Leatherface is directed by acclaimed French filmmaking duo Julian Murray and Alexander Bastillo, uh, from a script penned by Seth M. Sherwood, the film star Stephen Dorth, Vanessa Grass, and Sam Strike. Uh this will mark the eighth overall entry in the franchise which currently includes in addition to Toby Hooper's original three sequels, a remake, a prequel to the remake and a modern direct sequel. So, uh it's going to be on direct TV September 21st with what they call a limited theatrical run which I can't imagine is anything s- substantial and then it's going to come out as a video on demand release. Uh on October 20th, obviously cashing in on the Halloween season. Now, I,
3: I actually do know some stuff about, about this. Now, the, the French uh, directors or writers, whatever they were, were cause f- French horror was really popular a few years ago. If you remember, they had uh, Inside and Martyrs and Frontiers yep. and they had all these, these shows. Well, they were the ones that were behind Martyrs. And if you never saw Martyrs, they did remake that here, but I don't, I've never seen it. I saw the French version, and it's it was mind blowing. It was uh, very gory and very hard to watch. Um, and you know they they really hit the nail on the head with that. Now, from what I understand, hard this to one... watch.
0: Hard to watch, like no clowning around. <laughs> hard to watch like something else.
3: Hard, hard to watch because it's kind of like it's almost like two movies in one. Uh, the last half of the movie is a lot of torture um and it's it's pretty rough and this movie this leatherface movie has been shelved for a while it's been shelved for i think like 2 or 3 years so it's been done really? yeah so I, from what i understand i can't imagine it being like wow you know i, I don't think it's i don't think it's going to have that kind of an impact i mean i look at the trailers and i look at the movie poster and i'm a huge leatherface fan and i go uh eh, you know i don't know if if it's really in my wheelhouse to watch. I mean, I'll watch it. I, I mean, I I'll probably just buy the DVD when it comes out of the blu-ray or whatever. And I'll piss and moan after I spend the $20 on it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to expect, but my, my expectations are very low for this so one.
0: My question with this is now, is, is this the death toll for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films? Like the, the, the last one that came out that I you know was complaining about the red shirt, that was at least a theatrical release, yeah, um, and it had some names tied to it, even though they weren't in it for all that long. Um, this- I, don't, I don't remember. did next Generation
3: get a, um, did that get a, a theatrical release, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. I want to think that was straight to video. And maybe was that think, after I, this?
2: No, sure. no, no, no. That, that was, was like ninety seven, ninety
3: six. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And I, and and Leatherface three may not have played in the theaters. It might have, but I don't remember. Uh, I like Leatherface three, uh, but this one here is a prequel. It's him as a kid, from what I understand.
0: Right, but I mean, the last time we were podcasting, we had a, a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in the theaters. Now here it is, three years later. It's the next release of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre related film, and it's basically going to be on direct TV and video on demand. So so I guess like my question is, like, has the last film put Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in the theaters again? This film puts it back coming at it basically as a, a video release. So it's a step down, right?
1: Yeah, it's just something to release at Halloween for the sake of releasing something during Halloween season.
3: I, I think I think that's probably true. But, I mean, if you look at it, I know that um, The Cult of Chucky is coming out the first week in October, I believe. I think October 3rd. And right. uh, I've seen the trailers for that, and I'm excited about that. Now, I don't think Chucky has seen a, a theatrical release in –
0: Maybe maybe Bride of Chucky was released to theaters. Maybe yes, it was. Um, and I I actually think the next one what was it Son of C- Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Seed of Chucky? Chucky that that made it to theaters too. I'm pretty sure that couldn't have done well. I'd have to go back no, and look. It but it.
3: but this one looks really good. the this new one and not to jump off of Leatherface, but it, I feel like it's like the same kind of thing. So I do feel that like there's a way that that they can create hype or create interest when something is being released. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, um, like I pre-ordered the Cult of Chucky like two months ago when I saw there was a box set with all the Blu-rays and stuff, and it was like 40 bucks. So it's cheap enough to to buy all of them. Because if I just buy this new one, it's going to be probably 16 bucks on Blu-ray or maybe 20 bucks. So I, I guess I'm a little concerned that I, I almost feel like it's middle ground with the Leatherface. Like if you're not doing a theatrical and you're not doing a a direct to DVD release, like. If you really want to – I feel like that's the opportunity where everyone's going to go and just download it for free. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all going to – they're not going to take a chance with this Leatherface movie. It will be – not to say that everything else doesn't get downloaded but I don't feel like there's going to be any spontaneous reaction to want to go and see it like right away. Like I know if it's $15 on on, uh, DirecTV or whatever it is, I have DirecTV. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to spend no. fifteen bucks on it. If it's four bucks, yeah, I would spend it. But I would rather just wait until the Blu-ray comes out. You know, I never, I never buy anything on Directv. Never. I just buy the Blu-ray when it comes out, like you know, a month later or whatever after it hits
0: Directv or streaming or whatever. So this is the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out in the movie theater. It's
3: it's odd, and,
0: and I, I mean, I I kind of think that you know you may disagree. Um, but I kind of think once you start to go into direct to video I mean the quality goes down um, you know the 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 expenses for the film go down you know your budget goes down and you start working with you start working at a level that you know it, it, it's certainly inferior to the level you that the series oh, there's has no been doubt. There's right no-
2: but like but like Rob, you were originally saying with you know going from Leatherface three to the uh, McConaughey uh, Renee Zellweger one, which I can't remember the name of.
3: It's Next Generation. But, that's what it's called.
2: Right, yeah. but but th- that was like the low point, and then you know give it a few more years. You know, probably give it like you know five or six years after that. You know, they came out with the um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot with you know Jessica Biel. So, right. um,
0: uh,
2: which is a you
3: know,
2: good movie. But, uh, oh. <laughs> She's agreed, hot. I watched it. Agreed on both accounts. Um, no, but I mean, you see, they go through cycles. So this will probably be the low point, and then, you know, they'll they'll rejuvenate it one way or the other. Uh, and so, you could say you could say the same thing. Look at look at uh yeah, you know, we talked about um, you know, Chucky. Um, I, I think you know the rebound for that was you know Bride of Chucky. Uh, I mean, uh, and although it might have drifted back down, but you know, felt like you know. Child's Play 2 got watered down, Child's Play 3 was watered down, you know, you know let it stew for a while and, you know, come out with Bride of Chucky and like, oh, right. you know, we're back to a good movie.
0: I guess so do, you that- think if, do you think if the last uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie did be- did better, that this one wouldn't have been a direct video release and maybe would have gotten more budget? Uh, so yeah. In other words, did the red shirt kill this series and <laughs> make it go directly to video?
2: I think the red shirt might kill this podcast again. <laughs> it probably should.
0: I, 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 don't, I, don't know
3: if, I don't know if I really think of it that way. I feel like there has to be something wrong if they shelve a movie. I mean, can we at least agree on that? Or I mean, yeah. you, you, you invest all this money into it, and the last thing you want to do is have it sit. And there's some movies that have sat, like the Pekithy Tapes, which is also coming out on Blu-ray on uh, October 10th, I think. Make sure if you haven't seen it, you do check it out. That was shelved forever. Um, and which is a really good movie too, by the way. So maybe that's not necessarily the case. I, I
0: really don't know. I, I feel like, so do you think the intention of this movie was to originally have been released in a theater and that it got shelved? Or do you think right from the outset, it was meant to be a video directed video?
3: I don't know. I mean, if I saw the budget, I would probably be able to tell you, I don't know for, for a, especially around Halloween. How do you not take an Like it will be gone. Right? So it will be gone out of theaters in, in uh, for October. So is there another uh, one? Horror- I don't know about that. Well, do you think yeah, there's it's,
0: we're we're at September 10th. It's no way it's going to last in a theater for two right, even if
3: even if it lasts for 4 weeks, that's that's October 10th. Yeah. So is uh is there anything else horror related that's coming to theaters in October?
2: If there is, there's nothing I've seen and then you right, go back to saying. you know how you promote it. So uh, No. I think there's I think there's a Mother oh, coming yes. out. Oh yes, um, right. yeah. Which I have like little interest in, and I think there's a few other things. If that's I told to me part like, about that it.
3: One's, I'm like I'll just wait to see that. Like I'm not going to yeah. go to the theaters and see that. I'm not going to go spend. You know, I think in that that's where it lays. That's where lie where everything falls into is. Are you going to spend? For me, and my wife, it's going to be you know forty bucks, and then you know for popcorn and soda and a slushy, and and you know all of a sudden now you're at seventy dollars. Is this? is mother going to be worth 70 or am I going to take that 70 and see it? I probably would take 70 and go see Texas Chainsaw Massacre this this prequel. But I feel like they don't have any they don't have any faith in it by du- sending it to direct TV because if if there is nothing really out in October and that's the prime time to release this people are looking for something scary to see in October.
0: Totally so, agree.
3: You know, I, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's a. It's a good outlook for
0: it. Let's put it like that. So, do you think that the fallout from this summer, uh, like the, one of the reasons why Hollywood, not just you know, regular reporters, but people in Hollywood, are claiming that the reason why the summer sales were so poor was because sequels did so badly, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Alien sequel, and I forget the other one that was mentioned. Transformers. Um, Transformers. Do you think because those sequels did so poorly that it bodes ill for future sequels for horror films?
1: It depends. I, that, I mean, the, you're the talking Conjuring about movies. series
0: seems to have a life of its own. And all the films associated with that. Annabelle and uh, you know, like what, I think Conjuring 3 is coming out. I, actually, I think Conjuring 3 is coming out for Halloween. It might be. Go ahead, Doug.
1: Like, when you're talking about Transformers, it's like the fifth or sixth Transformers movie. Like, nothing can really change. It's the same story, just over and over and over again. At a certain point, it's going to eventually die out. How the Fast and Furious can reach movie like 42 or whatever it's at now is beyond me, and I think that's just because people love cars for whatever reason, but... Pirates of the Caribbean, like, what's that, the fifth one again? And what was the other movie you said? We had
3: Transformers, Pirates of the
1: Caribbean, uh, Alien. and the Alien, sequel to
0: Alien, yeah. which, got a, which got a whole lot of hype coming out oh, Ridley oh, Scott, me I know, it's Dave's favorite film. Um,
1: yeah, but so, I mean, how many of them have there already been, though? Like, it's the same
0: yeah, thing over Yeah, but this was, this was going back it. to the original director, Ridley Scott, which everybody thought was going to be, you know, one of, the, one of the must-see movies because of his involvement in it again. And proved not to be. I think a faulty a faulty sequel that you
3: had before that one hurt its opportunity. So yeah. I don't remember what the name of the aliens. Prometheus. Movie, right. So you had that, which did, which was poorly done, and then you have something new. I don't think people are going to give it another chance. Um, and horror movies are well, are kind of a tough sell anyway. So, I mean, obviously not that tough with it doing well, but it's like you know, you know I guess. The rarity, um, but I mean, they have had. Look at all the Halloweens they've had. Look at all the the you know. And I guarantee, when the new reboot of Halloween comes out, the whatever it's going to be, Halloween three or whatever they're going to label it as, it's going to be huge. I don't think it's going to be as huge as as it, but I feel like because I feel like it captured a lot more people because it was a made for TV movie. Uh, originally so i think that there probably was a, a wider spectrum of people to see that over than you know to go see halloween but i ha- like i like aliens but i had i still have yet to see prometheus i still have yet to see even the, you know the new one i don't even know if it's out on on dvd yet i think i feel like sequels have always been made you know they always have uh, all the way back into like the 70s and 80s and stuff like that even probably before that
2: and, no, you look at Bride of Frankenstein. That's
3: a right, sequel. right, absolutely, and and you know, yep. but I feel like you have to look at how now people are too smart to to kind of like sniff out a stinker, you know, and and if there's if there's a stinker, it, word gets out because of social media is so fast that a movie just does not have a chance to survive, you know, if if they have a pre screening, first of all, you can tell a movie's not going to be good if they don't do. Uh, a screening for for critics and movie and and yeah, newspapers early, right? So then, if you have a, a if you don't have anything Thursday night, because they're like, well, we'll just wait till Friday, or maybe they have a ten o'clock on Thursday night. By the time Friday morning comes around, people are already done with that movie if it's not good. So you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't care, but you do care because you're not going to spend fifty or sixty bucks to go to the movies and see something that everybody says is bad. So you know, I do think that opinions do, they can sway people. For me, I'm going to watch it regardless, but I'm probably not going to go to the theater and see it.
0: Right. And, and going back to the price issue, I think the prices do make people consider whether they're going to do that or not. I mean, you know, the target audience for movies is a much younger target audience than it used to be. Uh, you know, it's, it's the target audience is less the family of four and more date night. I think probably for teens, but I mean, you know, what it what it costs a family of four to go to the movies. Probably you're looking at at least a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, you're looking at what fifteen dollars a ticket times four just to get in the, in, in the door. That's not if
3: it's even if it's IMAX or IMAX 3D. Yeah, then it's like eighteen or twenty one dollars. I think when I went and saw uh, our family of four, we went and saw Star Trek the the remake when it came out. Uh, an IMAX 3D, and I, I we spent
0: 117. dollars Yeah, it's crazy. Right, and the sad part was, of that is you had other options. Yeah, well, and oh, the, sure. the sad part of that is that with you know they're charging extra for this 3D, and it's not real oh, 3D, oh,
2: uh, you
0: know, but oh. it, it, it's turned <laughs> people off onto 3D films because they don't like they, they don't see that much of a difference in the 3D effect. And the reason they don't is because the movie wasn't intended to be – wasn't shot, intended to be shown in 3D. makes a big difference.
1: Well, I know for me going to a movie, now that all these theaters you can actually reserve seats, I go on and I look for three, four, five seats together. And half the time I can't find it for the first two to three weeks at a time that I can actually attend the movie. That's a good point. So I just back burner it and – Honestly, eventually, never end up seeing the movie, whether it's a, a red box or a, a, like you're saying, you know, direct TV or Comcast rental. I end up not even bothering. Well, uh, honestly, I,
2: I think that's what movie theaters like, like we talked about, you know, why the attendance is dropping off and, you know, when you can maybe like watch it at home or watch it, you know, however you want to watch it. Um, but I think that's what they're changing with, you know, like, okay, you know, we got reclining seats now and it's a dine in theater or, you know, You know, you can get beer there like like the movie theaters are changing it because they want to make it more of an experience. And, you know, I probably capitalize more on the uh, food and beverage sales on top of that. But, you know, they've got to do something different if they want to keep people coming out.
1: Right. Because in doing so, I can't find four seats together. So I or it's the front row and then I just don't even bother attending.
0: And then what happens in all honesty, I would say the typical movie release Probably is shown like you know all day for what maybe three weeks at best, yeah, and then it goes to you know one showing at seven thirty at night or something like that, like you've got three weeks to see a movie before it's in and out of the theater for the most part, I mean it probably will last longer, but uh, you know and, and I guess it depends too on how many other new movies are coming out behind it, but I mean, typically, I think a, a a movie lasts in a theater a good three weeks before it gets down to one showing a day. And that's that's complete contrast to how, you know, movies used to be.
3: Sure. Well, there's a million other things that people can do. You know, Doug is is a good example. His kids play all kinds of sports, so his, his schedule is all over the place. So for him to find time to go to a movie, he made a great point that he goes online and he looks at, like, oh, I want to try these, you know, this there's better theater to go to and I look and I can't find seats together. I need five seats or six seats together. I'll just tell, you know, the boys will do something else. And then all of a sudden three weeks later, you're just like, oh, I forgot about it. And I don't even need to see it anymore. So that makes yep. a great point.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's, I went online to look at it when I could figure out a schedule. There was three or four movie times Friday and Saturday that worked for me. And every time I clicked and checked, there was no option of a seat. And I'm like, oh, forget it. So now I'm already looking at next weekend and I've already looked at the boys schedule and I know it's not going to happen. So I'm almost hoping it's still in theaters by Hunt Valley and maybe Thursday night after hotel setup I can cruise over to the movie theater, which is conveniently a block and a half down the street right. and maybe catch it at, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night that uh, Thursday night.
3: Alright, Dave, let's let's wrap this podcast up. Just a reminder. Now I, we're, we're fresh, we're back. Uh, and it's gonna be it's gonna take a little bit of time for us to get on Stitcher or iTunes. So keep looking on Facebook. You can, you know, we're all on Facebook, and you can check the Monster Mania page on Facebook. MonsterMania.net, you can follow Dave on, on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, we'll share that on there also. Just, you know, give us a little bit of patience. It, it is a little bit of a process to get it done. But uh, you know, hey, don't forget. September 29th through October 1st, Hunt Valley, Monster Mania. It's going to be a great
0: time. Dave, what do you got to say? Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening again. Um, it's been three years since we've done this. And uh, honestly, I won't say this too often, but it was great seeing you and talking to you again. And uh, I, I can't let Dave and Doug know that, it, that I enjoyed their presence as well. But uh, seriously, though, it, it's, it's been long overdue, and I'm really happy to be back.
3: Yeah, and we'll have bugs and stuff like that, you know, that we'll, we're going to work out this first uh, this first episode. And we'll get better and we'll get more into the swing of it. I'll uh, we'll, we'll pass it to Doug. Doug, what do you got?
1: I don't really have anything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he just wants to watch
1: the football game. Maybe go to Dave and then I'll think of something. All right, Dave, we'll go to you.
2: Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Definitely happy to be back. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing everyone at uh, Monster Mania Con 38 uh, down in Hunt Valley, Maryland. And, you know, that being said, the advanced ticket sale will be closing on Sunday, the 17th. Uh, just make sure when ordering, you know, things like getting your address correct, like the state usually helps. And, um, you know, make sure your cat doesn't throw your tickets in the trash. So I think we should be good. Yeah, it's the day
3: before, <laughs> day before my birthday. So everybody should bring a nice gift down to Hunt Valley for me.
2: Uh, uh, don't give us any ideas. <laughs>
3: Doug, what do you got? I'll come back to, I'm back to you now.
1: Uh
3: still yeah, no, it was just a pleasure. <laughs> um
1: I feel bad that all of my really great lines are gonna get cut out <laughs> because Rob's a jerk. Uh so whatever. We'll make do for the next one.
3: Uh guys, it was fun and I hope everybody enjoyed listening. We I mean we all had a lot of a lot of fun here. So uh just some keep, of us more
0: than others some
3: some of us more than others just keep <laughs> checking the just keep checking the website and we'll let everyone know as the next episode is getting ready to go up um, to, to keep an eye out for it but hopefully we'll see you in about two weeks guys take care thank you guys
1: enjoy.
2: E o thing.